spiritually. 55% of the people who took the survey said that they had grown spiritually, yet only 3.5% of the people who surveyed the course over a year uh, had any measurable growth. So so that is only about 3.5% of the people who reported something different about their walk with the Lord and how they engaged the word and how they shared Christ with others, how they served others. It reveals a major issue many of us have within the church, and that is stunted growth. God has called his people to grow in a relationship with him, to abide in him, to go deep with him and mature in our faith, become spiritually mature where we flourish and we look more and more like Jesus the longer we're walking with Jesus. Doesn't that tend to happen when you're walking with somebody, you're around somebody, they tend to rub off on you and you tend to take on some of their mannerisms and some of their ways. They rub off on you either for good or for bad. Is that right? Children, is that right? It's unfortunate that not everybody who grows old grows up. Not everybody who grows old grows up. Now, let me let me just point that out by, by going to this picture here. Y'all know who this guy is. I'm going to go here. Who's that? All right. Will Ferrell. All right. The actor. Here, here is the greatest example of what's called a man-child. A man-child, okay? Not everybody who grows up in their 30s or 40s or 50s or or 60s or so on, that doesn't always equal maturity. Relationally, intellectually, spiritually, it just, it doesn't always equal that. And so there's, there's a disconnect. Now, what he does in that movie is super funny and super cute. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if, if that's your favorite Christmas movie, raise your hand. All right. Some of y'all are like, yes, every year, that's our tradition. We watch the elf. Carson says no. Um, that is, he's super funny, but if he's your son, if that's your child and he's in his thirties and he's acting like that, it's not as cute and funny anymore. Right? It's funny when they're little, when they're little bitty, we have a toddler right now and we love seeing all the little mannerisms and his personality come out and, and different things that he does. It's, it's, it's very cute. It's, we get free entertainment in our family and we all have this shared delight and joy in the youngest member of our family. And every bit of progress that we see in justice, our toddler, we take delight in. And we enjoy, and God, the Father, feels that way about us times a million. He delights in the growth and the development of his children. But unfortunately, not everyone who grows old grows up. And in the book of Hebrews, the the, the preacher of Hebrews exhorts the people of God to grow up. He actually has a loving confrontation and confronts them with the lack of maturity in their lives. And so we're going to look at that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's there on the screen, and we'll read together. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time... You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. 
You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. All God's people said, Amen. So here's where we're going from the text. God calls his people to a life of spiritual growth and maturity by paying close attention to his word and practicing obedience to it. Okay, this is, God calls us each to grow up and develop into Christ's likeness and be all that he's called us to be. To grow into the men and women that he's called us to grow into. To become more like Jesus and to do the things that Jesus did as Christians. We are Christ followers. And so the first thing here is, I want to highlight is that there's this loving confrontation. The the author of Hebrews started to go into, as Kevin preached on last week in chapter 5, he started to go into the priesthood. He started to, to go into these deeper things which he describes as as solid food, as meat. Some deeper theological, spiritual truths. But then he's like, well, I want to talk to you guys about these things, but I don't think you can handle it. I don't think you're ready. Are you listening? I don't know if you're listening. Uh, because your your hearings become dull. And so there's this loving confrontation right before he does go and and spend four chapters in talking about it. He kind of reminds me of how at nighttime when we're reading our our books to the kids and and how when they're playing around and they're not listening, I'm like, all right, guys, we're we're not going to read the book if you're not listening. Right. And so it's kind of that it's that check like, okay, listen up. Let, Let me get your attention here. This this should be an attention getter. And he's already told us in chapter 2, verse 1, that we should pay attention, pay, pay close attention to what we've heard, lest we drift, lest we drift away, right? Uh, there's this loving confrontation that the preacher gives to the, the saints here. And the confrontation is around their, their immaturity. At this time in their walk, they had been believers for, for a number of years, and they should have been they should have been more mature. Now, let me let me just say this before I go any further, because I don't want any mature Christians who are here, because I know we got several of them to feel condemned or feel like I'm coming down on you heavy as I'm preaching this. I'm just going to present the word of God, because I know there are mature, godly Christians here that have grown and are growing. And then I know there's some here that should be further along than they are. And so if the shoe fits, put it on, right? Wear it. But but if it does it, just take note, okay? Just take note, and, and and we'll have a time of examination at the end. But but he gives us a portrait. He gives us a snapshot of what a mature Christian looks like and what an immature Christian looks like. And, and the first thing is is there's this dullness of hearing, dullness of hearing. Uh, the things of God they don't sink in, they don't penetrate. They're over the head because there's a lack of interest. 
some boredom when it comes to the things of God. Melchizedek, Jesus, the high priest, you know, that doesn't sound very exciting to me, right? And, and so perhaps there's some of that. He also, in verse 12, there's this inability to, to digest meat, spiritual meat. We have a couple of infants in the congregation and they, they're not eating, eating steaks right now, right? They are on milk and that is appropriate and that is good and that is fitting for the season of life that God has them in. But at some point it's time to start eating hamburgers. Okay? Yes! And all the kids say yes! Alright, you can work that out with your parents. Um, so, so there's this inability to chew and digest, to handle the meat, which, which is the deeper, deeper theological truths. There's also a need for relearning the basics. He says, you, you guys gotta, you gotta relearn these basic things. You've already, you've heard them, you've already gone over them, but you gotta relearn them again. You gotta go back to them. There's a lack of leadership. By this time, they should be teaching others, instructing others, discipling others. But they're not doing that at this point. There's the inability to skillfully use the word of righteousness. They haven't learned the skill of taking the word of righteousness, the word of God, and effectively apply it to their lives and to the lives of others. And then an inability to discern. And there's many other marks that we can look at. Let's highlight this first one here. Lazy, lazy listeners. Lazy listeners. That word, the Greek word, dull, there, dull of hearing, nathros, nathros. And it's also translated as sluggish in verse 16. Not nachos, nathros. So it's also translated as sluggish. It could be, it could be just dull or sluggish. In verse 12, you see that it says, uh, and we desire that each of you show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so we don't want to be dull hearers. We don't want to be lazy listeners. We want to be those who are attentive and ready to hear what God has to say to us through his word and then take action upon it. That's how we grow as Christians. That's how, that's how we experience spiritual nourishment through the word of God. When God puts a feast on the table for us, we don't want to sit there like a toddler and be like, I'm not eating that. Good food laid out by mom and dad. They're not, they're refusing to eat the good food. They'll eat cookies. They'll eat candy. They'll eat ice cream, but not the nourishing stuff. And if we're going to grow up, we need spiritual nourishment. That comes from the word of God by us taking it in in bites and pieces and drinks. One drink at a time, one bite at a time. And so let us not be lazy listeners. Let us not be dull hearers. The theologian William Lane said, Deafness and dullness and receptivity is a dangerous condition for those who have been called to radical obedience. The importance of responsible listening has been stressed repeatedly in the sermon, throughout the sermon, the, the preacher is calling the saints to persevere in following Jesus by paying close attention, by fixing their eyes on Jesus, by hearing his voice and not hardening their hearts, by staying close to the Savior and listening as the good shepherd, listening to his voice and following the voice of our good shepherd. 
Warren Wearsby says one of the first symptoms of spiritual regression or backsliding is dullness toward the Bible. Sunday school class is dull. The preaching is dull. Anything spiritual is dull. The problem is usually not with the Sunday school teacher or the pastor, but with the believer himself. Is that convicting? Now, I think there are times when when the preacher is the problem, okay? And if I'm the problem, y'all let me know, okay? Because I want to change. I want to grow. And by the way, the author of Hebrews, in in chapter 6, he says, let us move on to maturity, Okay, And so this is something that we're in together. We're growing together as a community. We don't do this by ourselves. We do this together. We need one another. We need to encourage one another, pray for one another, walk with one another, live out the one another's, speak the gospel over one another, and grow up together. Okay, And so we're committed to that here at City Church. Let us not be man-children. Let's go on to maturity. And so for the rest of the time, I'd like to look at marks of those who are spiritually mature. Okay, last year I wrote an article on this on my blog, Five Marks of a Spiritually Mature Believer, and I launched from this text. There's a couple other verses we'll look at that parallel to this that are outside of this text. But the first thing is that the spiritually mature are skilled in the word of righteousness. Um, It says in the negative, the immature are unskilled. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish both good from evil. Okay, skilled in the word of righteousness. Theologians point out that this is the gospel or the, the word of truth or the gospel of your salvation. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans unpacks a whole whole letter on what it means to be righteous before God. Positionally and in practice. How can a righteous, holy God make unrighteous sinners righteous? And Romans tells us, and Galatians also tells us, that it is simply by faith. We're made right by faith and brought into the family of God by faith. God declares us righteous, Romans 5.1, right? But then we continue to live in faith. The righteous, they live by faith. They continue trusting in the Savior, looking to the Savior, listening to the Savior, following paths of righteousness that the Good Shepherd leads us into that's what the righteous do so god makes us righteous positionally by faith we don't work for it. it's by grace through faith we're declared righteous we get the righteousness of jesus imparted and imputed into our lives and we become righteous and then as christians the process of sanctification and growing into maturity is living out that righteousness in our practice this, this gap between we're, we're declared righteous and then we, we grow into living this out, that's the Christian life. And it should be one of progress. Now I know there's things that happen and we'll talk about some hindrances, some of the things that stunt our growth and keep us from growing. But here the author of Hebrews says one of the biggest issues is the listening, the lack of listening, the lack of careful attention to what God has said. So, The mature Christian has learned how to handle the word of righteousness. 
As a Christian, do you know if somebody were to ask you, how do I get right with God? And how do I live righteous before God? What would you tell them? Are you able to point to scripture and teach them if this was your last day on earth and you're about to pass from this life to the next? Can you tell somebody in a paragraph how they can get right with God by simply sharing the gospel with them? For in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Can you do that? And then and then can you teach them and show them the connection between once they become Christians and how they're to live off that foundation of having been made right with God by faith? Can you can you explain to them living out that righteousness that God has provided? Okay, may we all learn how to do that. May we all learn how to articulate the gospel effectively and share that with others so that they might come to, to relationship, a right relationship with God through faith. The second thing is that the spiritually mature are theologically stable. So here's a, here's a section of scripture from Ephesians 4 that the apostle Paul gives that, that correlates with this idea of spiritual maturity and what it looks like to be spiritually mature and, and what it takes for us to get there. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in its deceitful schemes. The spiritually mature have found some stability theologically and spiritually. They've been, they've been established in the word of God and the basics of what God's word says. So when they hear something fishy, Something that sounds off theologically, their, 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 their antenna goes up. There's a red flag, okay? I've, I've shared several times recently how when I was a young Christian, I heard an advertisement on the TV. If you want a better revelation of Jesus, call this number. And so I did. And it was more, they were Mormons. And they showed up with their Book of Mormon to teach me about their ways. All right. And and I had no idea because I was unskilled in the word of righteousness and I was not stable theologically yet, though I was a genuine Christian. I was just a baby and babies are vulnerable. They need to be protected. They need to eat. They need to be fed. They need to be nourished and they need to grow up. Not not stay on the bottle when they're 10 years old. And so anyways, thankfully, my stepdad, who was a, a more mature Christian, showed up and he fended them off for me. He protected me from being led astray by the cult of Mormonism. Those who are spiritually immature are vulnerable to being like children who are tossed to and fro by waves. If you've been here, brought your kids to the beach... On the waves and you've seen your kids out there being hit by the waves and just knocked down and drawn under and sucked under in the undercurrent. Now, as an adult, you can be sucked in as well too, right? The spiritually mature are theologically stable. 
They are skillful at the word of Christ, handling the word of Christ, the word of righteousness. They're rooted in Christ and they're established in the faith. Okay, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. This is the verse that we, those who created the 2, 7 series that we're doing here on Wednesday night. This is the verse that that title is named after. The 2, 7. Colossians 2, 7. Okay, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is why we're having the class on Wednesday night, because we want all of the saints here to be rooted and established in the faith, in Christ, rooted in Christ and established in the faith, to mature and then go on to help others grow in maturity. After March, we're going to start another class that book one's going to start. We're going to have book three, Lord willing, two, and we'll have three, three separate classes going on here. And this is a, this is a growth path that the Lord has graciously provided for us here to get established, to get rooted, to get grounded. So if, if, if you're hearing this today and you're thinking, man, I do need to take some steps and grow up then consider this class. Consider being a part of this class and participating in this class. And those of you who graduate from it, consider taking somebody else through it. I have vision for City Church Garland for each one of us here to lead somebody to the Lord and then to start discipling them. Would you join me in praying about that? About you leading somebody to Christ. Just just one person. Now, if you can lead five people to the Lord and start discipling five, awesome. Do it. If you can do 12 or more, go for it. Start a small group in your house and just start discipling, okay? But I have vision for each one of us to engage in the mission of God, to be on mission with Him, to get His heart for lost people and get His heart for the mission of making disciples and to surrender our lives to that mission. To get passionate about that and to prioritize that mission. But that won't happen effectively in our lives and through our lives unless we're first rooted in Christ and established in the faith. But join me in praying about that. Who might you be able to share the gospel with and lead to introduce to Jesus Who might you be a few steps ahead of in your journey with Christ that you can help another younger brother or sister to start following in your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood? And you know what? And you can even do this online. You can do this online. With technology these days, you may have somebody who moves to Houston or Austin and you you could still do a disciple course with them via Skype or Zoom or all those other FaceTime. Uh, So consider that as well. Next thing is that the spiritually mature speak the truth in love. Okay, verse verse 15, in contrast to children who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, who are unstable and vulnerable to false teaching and false teachers, the contrast is rather speaking the truth in love. Okay, this is this is a mark of maturity. This is what mature Christians do, and this is the pathway for growing into maturity and helping others grow into maturity. We're rather to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
Do you see here how we need one another to grow spiritually? We need one, we need to be in proximity and community close enough to where others can speak, other believers can speak truth into our lives and can love us. And we need to be close enough where we can speak the truth into others' lives and love them through good times and hard times. And so immature believers tend to try to love without speaking the truth. I'm just going to love them and just let them do their thing. I'm not going to be confrontive. I'm just going to love them from a distance. And then there's there's a time for that, you know, to give someone space. But but it's immaturity that in us that keeps us from speaking hard truths, confrontive truths that people need to hear. But 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 also in, immature believers tend to lay the truth on somebody but do it in an unloving way. All right, so the immaturity can be expressed in, in, in both ways, where we try to love someone without giving them truth, and we try to give them truth without being gracious and loving. But the mature believer learns to speak the truth in love. That's what this preacher in Hebrews is doing in chapter 5. He is lovingly confronting them regarding their, their spiritual immaturity. He's speaking the truth in love, and he's saying, hey, let's go on to maturity. Let's do this together. Children need truth and love to grow up and be healthy, responsible adults. Christians need truth and love to be nourished, to grow up. And here at City Church, we're committed to providing a place, to cultivating an atmosphere, a community of truth, where we love the truth, we love the word of God, we embrace it, and a community of love where we are committed to one another, walking with one another, encouraging one another, living out the one another's. The next thing is that spiritually mature believers are others-oriented. They are others-oriented. Verse 12 of chapter 5, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... By this time, you ought to be thinking about other people and instructing them and helping them on in their journey. Kind of like, kind of like what happens when you become a parent. When you become a parent, you're kind of confronted with, you, you gotta be responsible and start thinking about others beside yourself. When you're single, you can just go where you want to go, do what you want to do, and go out to eat, go travel here or there. But then when you get married, there's a, you got to start considering your spouse, right? You got to shift into, okay, it's not just me now. And then you have kids and then that multiplies. Okay, it's not just me. It's wife or husband and kids. And so there's this shift and, a, and it's a mature mindset. It's a responsible mindset that God calls us to grow up into, to grow out of infancy, spiritual infancy, right? Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, when he's addressing the Corinthians as an immature church and trying to teach them the way of love, trying to center them uh, around Christ, the gospel, and center them around love, he said, when I was a child, I, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child, but but when I grew up, I... I left those childish ways. Philippians 2, Paul exhorts the church to think like Jesus. To think like Jesus. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also on the interest of others. Have this mind among you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. Spiritual maturity really is, 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 is about us becoming more like Jesus. 
Us growing into Christ-likeness where we're others-oriented. Jesus was thinking about others around him. He was thinking about the Father. Okay, that was priority. God, Father, what do you want me to do? I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to do your will. He was thinking about that. And then he's thinking about the well-being of those around him. And that's what it looks like for us to grow up in the Christ-likeness, to grow up in the spiritual maturity, shift from a me mindset to a we mindset. From a my, me, my, I, my mindset to thinking about others here. Those of us who have kids have had that experience where your your child goes through a season of saying what word? Mine. Mine, right? That's that's human nature just coming out of them, right? Selfish nature. We're, we're, it's part of the fall, right? We're wired. Unfortunately, we, we have that, that selfish nature in us that says mine. And so as parents, we have to teach our children to love and share, to, to think about others, to share their toys. Uh, sometimes it's hilarious when the, the toddler just wants to, to have all the crowns and nobody else gets them. They, they can't even use them all at once. Like this picture here. They're like, mine. You can't use the green one. I'm holding on to it now, right? And and so the Apostle Paul, he confronted the Corinthians for having this mindset, this immature mindset. In 1 Corinthians, this is a passage that correlates here to spiritual maturity or immaturity. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. For even now you're not ready. For you are still and you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy, strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Are you, and are you not being merely human? So he's confronting the immaturity within the, the Christians and they are Christians. They are Christians, all right? They're just immature Christians. Their growth has been stunted. They, they need some instruction. They need some, some maturing, some growing up. Um, and Paul does, in, in chapter, or in, this, in the second Corinthians, he does tell them to examine themselves to see whether they're genuine Christians. Test yourselves and see whether you're in the faith or not. But he addresses the immaturity within the Corinthians, the strife, the jealousy, the sectarianism, the, the name dropping. I follow Apollos. I follow Paul. So these are marks of immaturity that the Apostle Paul addressed. And the last one here is that the spiritually mature are those who have a sober view of themselves. Immature have a sober view of themselves. Now, this isn't explicit in this text, but Paul exhorts Christians to live with a sober view of themselves. For by the grace given to me, he said, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Some of our kids, my kids have have done this. They they tend to overestimate their ability. Like, dad, I can beat you at this. Ping pong? Dad, I can beat you at ping pong. Come on, come on basketball right dad i can i can take you at basketball okay I, I i try to be a godly father and and so i do let my children win sometimes because i want to i want to boost their confidence i want them to see that they can win they really can beat dad sometimes right and sometimes they genuinely do beat me 
But then I also want to keep my children humble. I don't want an inflated ego lead them to do some destructive things and boast. And and so I will just crush them at a game of checkers sometimes or tic-tac-toe three in a row or ping pong or whatever. But but it goes back and forth. You know, we we have fun together. God wants us to have a sober, he wants us to grow up, and a part of that growing up and maturing in the faith is having an accurate view of ourselves, a, a sober view, where we're not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but also where we're not thinking more lowly of ourselves than we ought to. I mean, immaturity can be ex- expressed in both ways, where we're just thinking about ourselves too much, and we're just like, we need a dose of, uh, we need some humble pie. We need to be reminded that we are who we are by the grace of God, and that we're a member among many members within the body of Christ. And we need those around us. We need Jesus, and we need those around us and to receive the strengths and the encouragement that they bring to the table as well. And then immaturity can be expressed through thinking of ourselves, putting ourselves down lower than, than what God says about us. Like when, when we disagree with what God says about us, when he says something about our identity, that we're, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? That we're accepted in the beloved, that we've been redeemed, we're, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's not humility and maturity that says, no, no, Jesus, really, I'm not that. Um, that's immaturity, okay? That's, that's, a, that's a lack of seeing ourselves soberly as, as God would have us to see yourselves. And so let us grow up together. That's what... The author of Hebrews preacher does is he says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Again, look at the let us, let us, let us. He uses that language throughout the book. Let us draw near. Let us come before the throne of grace. Let us. We're doing this together as a community. We're pursuing Christ together as a community. We're growing together as a community. Now, let me just clarify too, when he says, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, he's not saying like, we're, that's not good anymore. We don't need it. When we learn the ABCs, we don't stay on the ABCs for five years. Okay, we're going to go over to ABCs again today. Let's make sure you got them down uh, just right. So the ABCs, we use those as foundation, right? We need we need the ABCs so that we can spell and so that we can read. Uh, but there's a time to progress, to grow, to, to build upon. And he goes on, he says, Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Let me just say this. Theologians... There are different views, particularly on these particular verses here. One of the theologians that I read pointed out that the foundation here referred to is repentance from dead works and faith towards Jesus. And then he goes on, instruction about washings, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. I think that's helpful. Repentance and faith really is basic to becoming a Christian. That's what Jesus preached. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Paul preached in Acts 20. Repentance towards God and faith toward Jesus Christ. Like that is so elementary and basic. And as Christians, do we need to have ongoing repentance? Does anybody not need to have ongoing repentance? We do. We do need to continue to repent throughout our Christian life. As Martin Luther said, that the whole Christian life is a is an is an ongoing act of repentance, where we're changing our mind, turning away from sin, turning towards God, and then putting our faith in Jesus. I had to repent this morning. 
I had, I, I said a, uh, sarcastic remark this morning. I should have said it. Just, okay, we're running a little bit late for church and I made my little comment and I, yeah, I need to repent because love is patient and love is kind. And if I'm not being patient and kind with my wife and my children, then I need to repent. There's ongoing repentance. And so during communion, I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you died for me for my sins and that, that this sin of impatience or unkindness that came out this morning is covered in the blood and I bring it before you and it's unacceptable. I'm not going to let that reign in my life because you died for that. And so that's so basic. That's, that's maturity. And if we don't do that, if we don't continually bring our heart before God in repentance and faith in the gospel, then our spiritual growth will be stunted. Okay? One of the reasons why I think many folks haven't grown up into spiritual maturity is because there's a, maybe a particular sin that they're ashamed of and that they're not willing to acknowledge before God. Not willing to confess. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 2 where he says, lay aside malice and deceit. Lay aside those things and desire. Crave the pure milk of the word that you may grow up there by it. Get rid of that stuff that's holding you back, that's hindering you. And desire earnestly that spiritual nourishment that you need so much. These are foundational things here. Repentance and faith. Instructions about washings. Theologians would point to this being Referring to Judaism, so all the the washings and the rituals involved there. Some of your translations say baptisms, and it's plural. And when the New Testament speaks about the Christian baptism, it's singular. Okay, so that's just something to note there. Uh, The laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment. That's something, these are all things that the Jews believed in. And notice verse 3 he says, this we will do if God permits. And he's referring to us leaving the elementary doctrines of Christ and going on to maturity, moving on, progressing in spiritual maturity. I love this statement because this this is an expression, I think, of, of, of a mindset that a mature, mature Christian has. We're going to grow up because God's going to help us grow up. God's the one who makes us grow ultimately. You know, it's, it's, it's his grace that we ultimately need. Not that it happens automatically. Spiritual growth is not automatic. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen automatically. We must be intentional. We must put the cells up, so to speak. But we must also expect and, and depend upon God to cause the wind to blow, to help us to go on. Does that make sense? And so let us go on together. So here's some application here. Pay attention to the truth that you hear. Listen. Listen carefully. Hebrews 2, 1 in the New Living Translation says, So we must listen carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Like a, like a boat that's drifting away out at sea. Uh, Luke 8, verse 18. I read this this morning in my Bible reading plan. Jesus said, Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. So there's a principle here. When we're faithful to act upon what God has spoken to us, what he's showed us, what he's revealed to us, then God gives us more insight, more wisdom, right? It's kind of like our, our muscles. When, when you work out and you steward your muscles by working out, 
you get stronger. But when you don't work out, what happens? The word for it is atrophy. It, your your muscles start to diminish. Is that right, Doctor Karras, Doctor Drew? <laughs> and and so and the same with uh you know if you've taken a Spanish class in high school, how many of y'all took a Spanish class one two years, but you don't know a lick of Spanish? Okay, I got some head nodding over here. Maybe even in college, I I think one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why that happens is if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so we. If we're going to keep the, the truths that we heard and grow into them, we must practice, we must treasure them, take heed to them, meditate on them, memorize them, act upon them, teach them to others. There's something really helpful that happens in us when we teach others. It goes deeper within us. If you've ever had to teach any, we got several teachers in here. Isn't it true? We got homeschool mama teachers here. Isn't it true that when you teach a lesson, you end up getting more out of it than the students oftentimes? Um, lastly, exercise your spiritual senses to discern by filtering ideas, decisions, and decisions through scripture. Solid food is for the mature who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. So this is how we grow into maturity. But this is also what mature Christians, that, that's, that's what they've been doing. That's how, that's how mature Christians get to maturity. And it's, it's what they continue to do. They pr- exercise their powers of discernment. They filter thoughts and ideas and practices through what does scripture say? And as Christians, we believe that the word of God is authoritative, that what God's word says goes. So if our lives don't line up morally with what God says, then we make adjustments. We allow him to change our mind, change our directions. And life has a way of confronting us with what we believe. At some point or another, we're going to be confronted with what we believe and why we believe it. And we, a lot of, for a lot of people that doesn't happen until college, until they move out of mom and dad's house and they're confronted with, they need to figure out what they believe and why. And one of the things that's happening right now in the, the Methodist church and, and other main denominations is, is, is how is the church going to address the issue of homosexuality? Like is, is that, is that acceptable? Is that an acceptable practice for a Christian? And so many, many in the Methodist denomination are being confronted with, what do you believe about this? Because the church is about to split. Okay, either you, you go on the liberal side or you go on the traditional side, right? Or the progressive side or you go on the, 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 um, the traditional side, conservative side. And it's clear in the Bible. I mean, if you read your Bible, if you read your Bible you, and you know the scriptures, it's clear that the practice of homosexuality is sin, right? We know that. I think here, I don't think anybody here has an issue with that because we, we believe that. But, but can you lovingly articulate that to somebody who doesn't share that same biblical conviction with you? Can you speak the truth with them? And so here at City Church, we want to love people and speak the truth to them in love. Uh, lastly, practice obedience to Jesus. Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal or manifest myself to him. And so like if you obey what God has revealed to you in scripture, God's going to give you more insight. And actually here, I'm going to finish with this right here. 
This is the wheel. Here, here are the basics that the navigators focus in on and what we focus in on on Wednesday night in the 2-7 that the navigators put together. It's the, it's the wheel, the hub, uh, the obedient Christian life in action. And so the two spokes going up and down, the one up is the, is prayer. Okay. Our, our relationship with God through talking to Him. Okay. Communicating to Him. And then the Word. Listening to the, the Bible being rooted through listening to what Scripture says. Let, let me just say this. If, if the only time you get Bible intake is this time on Sunday morning, then you are not going to progress as a Christian. You're going to remain on milk, digested spiritual nourishment that somebody else feeds to you. At some point, you got to learn to self-feed. It's, it's okay when the infant is fed the bottle. Alright? They get milk. That's, that's great. But at some point, two, three, four, five years old, little boys and little girls need to learn how to take the spoon and put it into their mouth and eat, and eat their own food. Self-feed. And so that's, it's my goal to make sure everybody here at City Church is doing that. Self-feeding. That you are feeding on the word. And then the two, the two spokes going outward are witnessing and fellowship. So if you want to learn more about those Wednesday nights, for every Christian, there's always next steps. For the, for the immature, there's next steps. It's feed on the milk. Uh, the, the, the solution isn't necessarily, okay, let's start eating meat now. The solution is, the, the milk is sufficient to bring about spiritual maturity. It's what you do with the milk. Take it in. There's nourishment in there. Take heed and take action to what God's word says. And then also for the mature Christian, there's also next steps for the mature Christian. Those of us who are mature in Christ have not arrived, right? We're still on the journey. And so there's still progress. There's still Christ-likeness for us to grow into. Feeding on the milk. Milk is just the basics of, of the Bible. Just learning basic truths of the gospel, of who Jesus is, of what Jesus says, of how Jesus teaches us to live. And so just feed on the basics. I think the meat is more like what we're going to be getting into. Melchizedek and the priesthood of Christ. Romans 8 and 9 and 10 and 11. Um, there's some meat there, right? And if you're an immature Christian and you can take little bites of the meat, do it. You know, that's what, that's how we, you know, as, as our little ones are transitioning from milk to meat, we, we cut it up for them and we just give them one bite at a time and they may struggle with it, but eventually they're going to get there. It's a process. And so if, if you hear, if you're here today and you feel condemned because you're not further along, please know that there's grace for where you're at and God wants you to grow in grace. In the knowledge of him. He wants you to lean on him for grace. This is not just about us picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. We do have some intentionality and some action that needs to happen from us. But but ultimately it's it's God who's given us the nourishment. He's working in us to will and do his good pleasure. He's the one that's causing us to flourish and growth. Pray with me. Father. We thank you for words that confront us that we need to hear or we need to be challenged and we thank you that we hear this at a time when we can do something about do something about it we can take action we have the ability to respond by your grace and we say with the author of hebrews if if you permit we will we will move on we will move forward and so we look to you for that you're the vine jesus we're we're the branches and so we abide, we, we come to you and 
we ask that, that God, you would lead us into these next steps, these next steps of growing into maturity, these next steps of following you on the journey. And I pray that even right now, um, I know many of us probably have some different next steps, slightly different. They may look different for each of us. But um, I pray that you would speak to each one of us by your spirit what that next step is. Whether it's having a quiet time, just establishing a 5, 10, 20 minute quiet time where we're reflecting on your word, reading your word. Or whether it's prayer, where we're engaging, talking to you. Or whether it's uh, witnessing um, where we're sharing with others or whether it's fellowship where we're getting in close community with others. I pray that we would take next steps. That we would look more and more like Jesus here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. and May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you. May he give you his peace.